Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Chapter 5 The Eightfold Path The Path for All Humans to Nibbana With an understanding of the Four Noble Truths, you can now study and practice the path to eliminate discontentedness from the mind and your life. You will need a detailed and thorough understanding of the Eightfold Path to attain Nibbana. Gautama Buddha gave us the path forward to pursuing our own enlightenment or Nibbana. In his explanation of the Eightfold Path, we learn exactly how to achieve Nibbana through a life practice or a better way of life. We will list these in reverse order because as you move up the Eightfold Path from 1 to 8, you will get closer and closer to your higher consciousness, or Nibbana, an enlightened state of being. 1. Right view. 2. Right intention. 3. Right speech. 4. Right action. 5. Right livelihood. 6. Right effort. 7. Right mindfulness. 8. Right concentration. You will need to put the entire Eightfold Path into practice within your daily life over time as you learn and grow. This is your life practice. The goal is not perfection but to learn, implement, see results, and continue the process of working to diligently apply all steps of the Eightfold Path to your life. You must not master each step individually before moving on to the next. Instead, study the entire Eightfold Path and implement it as a way of life, a life practice. Earning your own Nibbana is a pursuit of life-improving steps. Having guidance and teachers is helpful as you study and work towards the goal of Nibbana. The Eightfold Path is the way leading to the elimination of discontentedness and attaining Nibbana. Through practice of the Eightfold Path, we eliminate all unwholesome gamma production through not causing harm to other beings. By causing harm to other beings through your intentions, speech, actions, or livelihood, you cause harm to yourself through the natural law of gamma. If you do good, good things will happen for you. If you do bad, bad things will happen for you. More on gamma in a later chapter. These teachings and practices are about non-harm to other beings so that you do not create unwholesome gamma which would return back to you. Practicing the Eightfold Path closely, you ensure there is no harm to other beings. Thus, you can attain inner peace, enlightenment, or nibbana through in part an elimination and extinguishing of unwholesome gamma. The Eightfold Path 
The following is a translation of Gautama Buddha's teachings from the Pali Canon, the source of Gautama Buddha's teachings. In what, monks, is the noble truth of the way of practice leading to the cessation of discontentedness? It is just this noble eightfold path, namely, right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. And what, monks, is right view? It is, monks, the knowledge of discontentedness, the knowledge of the origin of discontentedness, the knowledge of the cessation of discontentedness, and the knowledge of the way of practice leading to the cessation of discontentedness. This is called right view. And what, monks, is right intention? The intention of renunciation, the intention of non-ill will, the intention of harmlessness. This, monks, is called right intention. And what, monks, is right speech? Refraining from lying, refraining from slander, refraining from harsh speech, refraining from frivolous speech. This is called right speech. And what, monks, is right action? Refraining from the taking of life, refraining from taking what is not given, refraining from sexual misconduct. This is called right action. And what, monks, is right livelihood? Here, monks, the Aryan disciple, having given up wrong livelihood, keeps himself by right livelihood. And what, monks, is right effort? Here, monks, a monk rouses his will, makes an effort, stirs up energy, exerts his mind, and strives to prevent the arising of unarisen, evil, unwholesome mental states. He rouses his will, makes an effort, stirs up energy, exerts his mind, and strives to overcome evil, unwholesome mental states that have arisen. He rouses his will, makes an effort, stirs up energy, exerts his mind, and strives to produce unarisen, wholesome mental states. He rouses his will, makes an effort, stirs up energy, exerts his mind, and strives to maintain wholesome mental states that have arisen, not to let them fade away, to bring them to greater growth, to the full perfection of development. This is called right effort. In what, monks, is right mindfulness? Here, monks, a monk abides contemplating body as body, ardent, clearly aware and mindful, Having put aside hankering and fretting for the world, he abides contemplating feelings as feelings, ardent, clearly aware and mindful. Having put aside hankering and fretting for the world, he abides contemplating mind as mind, ardent, clearly aware and mindful. Having put aside hankering and fretting for the world, he abides contemplating mind objects as mind objects, ardent, clearly aware and mindful. Having put aside hankering and fretting for the world, this is called right mindfulness. And what, monks, is right concentration? Here, a monk detached from sense desires, detached from unwholesome mental states, enters and remains in the first jhana, which is with thinking and pondering, born of detachment, filled with delight and joy, and with the subsiding of thinking and pondering, by gaining inner tranquility and oneness of mind, he enters and remains in the second jhana, which is without thinking and pondering, 
born of concentration, filled with delight and joy. And with the fading away of delight, remaining imperturbable, mindful and clearly aware, he experiences in himself the joy of which the Noble One says, Peaceful is he who dwells with equanimity and mindfulness. He enters the third jhana. And having given up pleasure and pain, and with the disappearance of former gladness and sadness, he enters and remains in the fourth jhana, which is beyond pleasure and pain, and purified by equanimity and mindfulness. This is called right concentration. And that, monks, is called the way of practice leading to the cessation of discontentedness. Translation by Maurice Walsh in the year 2012. 1. Right view. Having the right view is having a clear understanding of the Four Noble Truths and practice this teaching so that you know it is true. You will need to understand and view the world through the teaching of the Four Noble Truths. You will need to understand that the Four Noble Truths explains the knowledge of discontentedness, the origin of discontentedness, the cessation of discontentedness, and the knowledge of the way of practice leading to the cessation of discontentedness. The Eightfold Path explains the path forward to eliminate discontentedness in the mind. You need to accept responsibility for your own intentions, speech, and actions, realizing that you cause the mind to be discontent, not anyone else or something else external. You alone are the cause of the discontent mind, and only you can eliminate the discontent mind through learning and practicing the entire Eightfold Path. This is practicing right view. If you blame others for the painful feelings, pleasant feelings, or feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant, discontentedness, then you are not yet practicing right view, but instead, wrong view. You need to understand and observe the wisdom that no one and nothing can create a discontent mind. Only you can do that to yourself. If you will not take responsibility for the mind, blaming others for its discontentedness, then you will find it impossible to eliminate the discontent mind. Wrong view means that the discontent mind is caused by someone else or something else, so therefore you have no ability to eliminate discontent feelings. Right view is accepting and seeing it as your responsibility to eliminate the discontent mind without blame of anyone else. You are solely and 100% responsible for all discontent feelings. This means that you can 100% eliminate the discontent mind. Accepting this responsibility is the very first step towards a peaceful mind and eliminating 100% of the discontent mind. 2. Right Intention The right intention, right thought, or right thinking is formed by the absence of ill will or harm. You need to practice non-ill will and harmlessness. Goodwill, harmlessness, and wholesome intentions towards all beings is important. Intentions based on ill will, harm, greed, hatred, delusion, ego, or other unwholesome mental states will produce poor speech and actions, thus produce unwholesome gamma. You must always have the right or proper intention thoughts, or thinking that is positive and beneficial to all beings. Right speech. 
The right speech includes polite, respectful, and wholesome speech. We should not engage in idle chatter or unpurposeful talk that includes gossip, harsh language, false speech with lies, deceit, or slander. Having clear, well-thought-out, purposeful, and wholesome speech is important. Your speech should be without blame or blameless. The right speech is born out of the right intention. With wholesome intentions practicing harmlessness, this will breed wholesome and purposeful speech free from greed, hatred, or delusion without ego. A good practice is, if you don't have something good to say, then don't say anything at all. You will need to learn to have right speech to attain Nibbana, practicing the five factors of well-spoken speech. Five factors of well-spoken speech. The following is a translation of Gautama Buddha's teachings from the Pali Canon, the source of Gautama Buddha's teachings. Bhikkhus, possessing five factors, speech is well-spoken, not badly spoken. It is blameless and beyond reproach by the wise. What five? One, it is spoken at the proper time. Two, what is said is true. Three, it is spoken gently. 4. What is said is beneficial. 5. It is spoken with a mind of loving-kindness. Possessing these five factors, speech is well-spoken, not badly spoken. It is blameless and beyond reproach by the wise. Translation by Bhikkhu Bodhi in the year 2012. 4. Right Action our bodily actions are born from right intention. You need to produce the right actions to ensure no harm to other beings. Actions should be free of greed, hatred, or delusion and ego. Our bodily actions should be without harm or harmless. Refrain from killing. Refrain from stealing. Refrain from misusing of sexual conduct that would harm. Refrain from substances that would cause heedlessness. Refrain from gambling. These actions are largely part of the five precepts which should be practiced by all people. Through practice of these five precepts, one is conducting a good moral life. We do not judge others, discriminate, or otherwise form harmful actions. These are not commandments, but the best way one would live in harmony with others. 5. Right Livelihood A livelihood is how you earn your living through daily life. Our livelihood is the work or activities we do on a daily basis, such as an occupation or lifestyle, i.e., stay-at-home parent, volunteer, retired person, holy life, etc. A livelihood should not cause any harm to other beings and should not compromise the five precepts. For example, are you a doctor, nurse, auto mechanic, street sweeper, waiter, garbage collector, etc.? Are you conducting a livelihood that is wholesome and helpful to society and humanity? Yes. You should not cause any harm through your livelihood. Gautama Buddha gave us five occupations that we should not engage in as these cause harm to other beings. Thus, unwholesome karma production, business and weapons, business and living beings, animals, slaves, human trafficking, business and meat, business and substances that cause heedlessness, and business, and poisons. All of these occupations would involve harm that could lead to not adhering to the five precepts and thus not be the right livelihood. 
these livelihoods cause harm to other beings. As long as you are not involved in any of these five occupations, you are practicing right livelihood. Ordained practitioners have guidance from Gautama Buddha beyond these five trades that are considered wrong livelihood. For example, Gautama Buddha provided guidance that ordained practitioners who perform tattoos, palm readings, spells, predictions based on astronomy, and other types of livelihood are considered wrong livelihood. Gautama Buddha's teachings have much more details on right livelihood for ordained practitioners. Gautama Buddha's objectives for ordained practitioners was to keep them focused on learning, practicing, and sharing these teachings so that they could eliminate the discontent mind for themselves and guide humanity in eliminating their discontent mind. Therefore, ordained practitioners who focus on livelihoods other than learning, practicing, and sharing the teachings are not practicing right livelihood. Recently, marijuana has been known as a substance once thought of as a drug, but now many people are realizing its medicinal qualities. For one to sell this medication through proper legal channels as a medication with the intention to help, that would still be considered a right livelihood. Care must be given to ensure standards and ethical practices are adhered to, ensuring your livelihood is free of greed, hatred, and delusion. Trades not to be plied. The following is a translation of Gautama Buddha's teachings from the Pali Canon, the source of Gautama Buddha's teachings. In what bhikkhus is wrong livelihood? Scheming, talking, hinting, belittling, pursuing gain with gain, this is wrong livelihood. Translation by Bhikkhu Bodhi in the year 1995. Bhikkhus a household practitioner should not engage in these five trades. What five? Trading in weapons, trading in living beings, trading in meat, trading in substances that cause heedlessness, and trading in poisons. A household practitioner should not engage in these five trades. Translation by Bhikkhu Bodhi in the year 2012. 6. Right Effort Right effort has four aspects to it that need to be understood and practiced. To apply right effort, you will need to a. Prevent unwholesome mental states that have not arisen from arising in the mind. b. Abandon unwholesome mental states that have arisen in the mind. c. Produce unarisen wholesome mental states to arise in the mind. d. Maintain wholesome mental states that have arisen not allowing them to fade away and work to increase their growth in the mind. Prevent unwholesome mental states that have not arisen from arising in the mind. A good example of this aspect of right effort would be that you most likely have no interest in killing another human being currently in the mind. The unwholesome mental state of killing another human being is unarisen in the mind. Applying this aspect of right effort would be to prevent this unwholesome mental state and all other unwholesome mental states that have not arisen in the mind from arising. Abandon unwholesome mental states that have arisen in the mind. A good example of this aspect of right effort would be that if you are currently in a relationship yet have a craving and desire to have sexual contact with another, you should apply right effort to abandon this unwholesome mental state that has arisen in the mind. 
eliminate the unwholesome mental state of craving sexual contact as you already have a partner and having sexual contact with another would cause harm. Another example of this would be you feel the rise of anger inside of the mind along with the physical sensations of a burning and irate feeling arising. Do you let it come through in your speech and actions or do you make the right effort to abandon this unwholesome mental state? By applying right effort, we can abandon the unwholesome mental state prior to reacting through our speech and actions, thus eliminating any potential unwholesome gamma production through our speech and actions. Produce unarisen wholesome mental states to arise in the mind. A good example of this aspect of right effort would be if you know the mind is not generous or compassionate, then you apply right effort to produce these unarisen, wholesome mental states to arise in the mind. Practice generosity and compassion through your actions and all other wholesome mental states that need to be arisen to attain Nibbana. Maintain wholesome mental states that have arisen, not allowing them to fade away and work to increase their growth in the mind. A good example of this aspect of right effort would be if the mind currently has loving-kindness and sympathetic joy. Then, you apply right effort to maintain these wholesome mental states that have arisen, not allowing them to fade away in work to increase their growth in the mind. Right Effort Summary In applying right effort, you actively work to prevent then abandon unwholesome mental states such as greed, hatred, and delusion or ego from arising along with other unwholesome mental states that would be in conflict with the five precepts. It is important to cultivate wholesome mental states such as generosity, loving-kindness, wisdom, and humbleness, the opposites of greed, hatred, delusion, and ego. You can also apply right effort to cultivate wholesome mental states of compassion, sympathetic joy, equanimity, along with the wholesome mental states shared as guidance in the five precepts and all other teachings shared by Gautama Buddha. After implementing this important practice in applying right effort, over time, you will notice it becomes easier and easier to abandon the unwholesome mental states and arise wholesome mental states. Over time, as you better train the mind, when events happen in your life that once caused anger or other unwholesome mental states to rise, you won't even have a rise of the unwholesome mental state at all. You will not experience any anger, frustration, irritation, or other unwholesome mental states. You will notice that you can completely and entirely eliminate 100% of all unwholesome mental states. Right effort will help you attain a peaceful, calm, and stable mind no matter what events happen in your life. You will not be attached to the speech nor actions of others nor events that happen around you. You will ultimately attain an unshakable, content mind. The mind will need gradual training to accomplish this result. The mind can be trained to be content in all situations without any rise of unwholesome mental states. This will require dedication and commitment to learning and practicing the teachings with the help of teachers. Training the mind in this way, you can work towards liberating the mind through wisdom. It is a permanent place for the mind to reside, content and peaceful. The same applies to unwholesome mental states like sexual desire that would break the five precepts or other unwholesome mental states. 
Do you allow this unwholesome mental state to continue to arise and then apply speech and action to fulfill your desire? Or do you make efforts to abandon this unwholesome mental state? We must apply right effort to abandon unwholesome mental states and produce or maintain wholesome mental states. With right effort, you prevent unwholesome mental states that have not arisen from arising, abandon unwholesome mental states that have arisen, produce unarisen wholesome mental states, and maintain wholesome mental states that have arisen, not allowing them to fade away and work to increase their growth in the mind. 7. Right Mindfulness Mindfulness is to be aware of the mind in the present moment, not allowing the mind to live in the past or the future. To purify the mind, you will need to have awareness of mind and what currently exists in the mind. Additionally, to apply right effort, you will need to have full awareness of the mind at all times. This is developed gradually over time. You should not allow the mind to be lost in daydreams, anticipation, indulgences, worry, or dwell in other discontent feelings. You should also not encourage the mind to multitask, as this trains the mind to do many things rapidly back to back. Since the mind cannot actually do more than one thing at a time anyway, it is best not to encourage it to rapidly switch from task to task. You should train the mind through meditation in your life practice to have deliberate intentions with stability, calmness, and peacefulness without harm to other beings applying all of the Eightfold Path. Cultivating mindfulness or awareness of mind is accomplished through meditation practices and carried into everyday life through implementing awareness of the mind in each moment of your normal activities. To cultivate mindfulness, you will need to learn breathing mindfulness meditation in the positions of seated, lying, standing, or walking meditation, described in the chapter Meditation Developing Your Practice. Using this meditation, you can establish mindfulness or awareness of thoughts, ideas, cravings, desires, and discontentedness that exist in the mind while learning to detach from them to let them pass. If you continue to have reoccurring thoughts during the day or during your meditation sessions, a practitioner could find the attachments of why this discontentedness exists and learn how to eliminate them from the mind. Eliminating attachments will clear the mind and uncover your ability to concentrate in the present moment. Right concentration is the last and final step of practicing the entire Eightfold Path. Be sure to continually practice right mindfulness 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Implement mindfulness into your daily life in all that you do. This will assist you to be aware of the mind, clear the mind of attachments to the past or future, and to eliminate aversion, thus live in the moment being satisfied with what is, with a more peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. 8. Right Concentration Concentration is the practice of meditation and a byproduct of a clear and pure mind that is practicing the entire Eightfold Path. A mind that has eliminated attachments, clinging, craving, and desires, along with practicing all of these teachings, will have focus and a high degree of concentration. Right concentration is developed and maintained with a consistent and regular practice of the Eightfold Path, including a well-established meditation practice to train the mind. 
as taught in the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path is the life practice that leads to the complete elimination of discontentedness and to attain Nibbana. The Eightfold Path needs to be understood and practiced in detail to attain Nibbana. By eliminating attachments, you will lay down the burden of carrying these in the mind. Gautama Buddha used this phrase when describing Nibbana. Upon attaining Nibbana, one has laid down the burden or laid down the stress of carrying the heaviness of mental attachments. The practice of meditation allows you to practice every step of the Eightfold Path at one time for a given period of time, right view through right concentration. This is why it's so effective at creating wellness in a healthy mind. During the time of meditation, one is conducting the entire Eightfold Path for that time frame. It's like restarting the mind with full execution of the Eightfold Path in multiple moments strung together. Those moments then lead to the next moments of a healthy and stable mind that generates concentration. And it is implementing the Eightfold Path as a life practice that will allow you to attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. Nibbana. There are multiple forms of meditation that can be useful in training the mind. Breathing mindfulness meditation in the positions of seated, lying, standing, and walking meditation along with loving-kindness meditation are the main forms of meditation needed for attaining enlightenment. You will find many meditation techniques and styles taught throughout the world. However, focusing on the types of meditation mentioned here will bring the best results in practicing the Eightfold Path as taught by Gautama Buddha. Other forms of meditation can be used as needed for specific goals or tasks the mind may need for continued training and liberation. More on meditation in a later chapter. Many people start with meditation as their entry point into attempting to work towards Nibbana. That is fine, however, one must understand that meditation alone will not produce Nibbana if the entire Eightfold Path is not followed throughout your daily life in a life practice. You cannot meditate your way to Nibbana through wishful thinking while having improper intentions, speech, or actions and have a harmful livelihood. To attain Nibbana, you will need to learn and practice the entire Eightfold Path with meditation and other teachings. Through a regular practice of meditation to train the mind, empty the mind, and eliminate attachments, you will gain higher and higher degrees of concentration. With a mind full of discontentedness, it's very hard to have concentration. But with continued practice of the Eightfold Path that includes meditation, you will experience a high degree of concentration as you pursue the goal of Nibbana and a higher state of consciousness. Gautama Buddha taught four jhanas, or degrees of concentration, that are attained as you progress closer and closer to Nibbana as part of right concentration. Jhana is a Pali word for meditative absorption and refers to states of deep and subtle concentration. Gautama Buddha gave details that describe each of these jhanas. However, your goal should be to attain arahantship, in other words, become an arahant. This means you will need to practice the entire Eightfold Path closely and eliminate the ten fetters, along with eliminating and cultivating various attributes of the mind. There is no use trying to understand each individual jhana and which jhana you have or have not attained. 
it is best to develop and maintain a solid practice of these teachings while pursuing the path to arahantship by staying focused on the ten fetters and eliminate these from the mind. Obtaining the human state is rare, and your time in this form is always limited, so there is no need to focus the mind on figuring out which jhana you are in, that you are headed toward, and where you want to be. This will take you away from learning the teachings and practicing the teachings that lead to complete liberation of the mind. The jhanas are temporary and not the goal of these teachings. The mind is not meant to reside there, so there is no need to focus extensive time and effort to understand each jhana, but instead apply dedication and commitment to eliminating the ten fetters in the goal of attaining the stage of enlightenment as an arahant. Knowing you are attaining the jhanas can help you understand you are headed in the right direction, but you should not crave or want a specific jhana. If you want a specific jhana, then you are craving and you will not attain complete nibbana. All craving must be extinguished, including the craving to attain a specific jhana or even the craving to attain nibbana. You will need to pursue it as a goal without craving. Another reason why there is no need to determine which jhana you are in is that there is no need to compare or evaluate your status on this path compared to anyone else. This is a personal pursuit and one that you are walking alone with teachers and guides to assist you. Comparing your progress to another person will only slow your progress as this will create ego and judgment. Both ego and judgment, along with other qualities of the mind, need to be fully extinguished on the path to Nibbana. You will attain right concentration as you progress along the Eightfold Path and practice all the teachings deeply to include meditation. There are no shortcuts to achieving Nibbana. You must start at the bottom in order to get to the top of the mind. A higher state of consciousness, or Nibbana, is not given to you. Personal responsibility, personal improvement, and an independent journey with the guidance of teachers is required in order to earn enlightenment. You can maintain a normal, healthy, and productive life while pursuing Nibbana. In fact, your life will actually continuously improve as you work your way towards Nibbana. You will notice ease and smoothness in areas of your life where you previously had roughness. Nibbana is not something to prop up the ego against that you hold as a higher status over others. In fact, it's just the opposite. To achieve Nibbana, one needs to let go of their ego. As you pursue Nibbana through practicing the Eightfold Path, you will most likely be interested to help others attain Nibbana as well. It is best to refer new practitioners to teachers who are prepared to guide students in developing a deep understanding and practice of these teachings. Nibbana and its path is life-changing. You will see the results of implementing the Eightfold Path into your life as you constantly pursue Nibbana. To maintain the quality of Nibbana, continue to work at maintaining a healthy and pure mind through continuous attention to practice the Eightfold Path, using meditation as a tool to develop and maintain a content mind. Develop and maintain a wholesome life practice for the best results. Right intentions, right speech, and right actions will produce wholesome karma, creating a life of ease and smoothness. Another way to understand these are kind intentions, kind speech, and kind actions. 
Nibbana is a continuous pursuit of knowledge in the results of fully practicing the Eightfold Path, but it is also the starting point to fully apply your practice with a liberated mind. Enjoy the journey, enjoy the learning, growing and developing. Enjoy knowing that you can achieve Nibbana through the process of earning your own enlightenment. You will never fear death because you know without a doubt when you finish this life that you are finished with discontentedness and the suffering it causes. Through pursuing Nibbana and attaining it, you will never be reborn. Thus, you will have inner joy and inner fulfilling peace that is unshakable. The Eightfold Path is separated into three sections. Those sections are wisdom, moral conduct, and mental discipline. Right view and right intention make up the section of wisdom. Right speech, right action, and right livelihood make up moral conduct. Right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration make up mental discipline. Do not be the last one. The following is a translation of Gautama Buddha's teachings from the Pali Canon, the source of Gautama Buddha's teachings. And therefore I say to you, Ananda, what is the good practice? It is that noble eightfold path. When there are two men living, he under whom there occurs a breach of this good practice, he is the last man among them. Therefore, Ananda, I say to you, Continue this good practice instituted by me, and do not be the last man. Author's Thoughts This teaching from Gautama Buddha to his closest student Ananda, with understanding of all other teachings of Gautama Buddha, we understand that Gautama Buddha is providing guidance that we should continue to learn and practice the Eightfold Path. This is the path that leads to the complete elimination and destruction of all discontentedness of the mind to attain Nibbana. Understanding the Eightfold Path thoroughly and in detail is highly important for the pursuit of Nibbana. Further, Gautama Buddha understood that his teachings are meant to fully liberate the mind of all of humanity, bringing peace to all humans. Until we attain Nibbana, we will constantly be reborn through the cycle of rebirth until we attain Nibbana during this very life or at death. Over time, as all of humanity attains Nibbana, eventually human existence will cease to exist because there will no longer be any beings to be reborn. Nothing lasts forever. All things will cease to exist, including all of humanity. So do not be the last one to attain Nibbana. Pursue this good practice. Thoroughly and in detail learn the practice of the Eightfold Path to liberate the mind with the help of teachers. The Eightfold Path is your life practice to liberate the mind and attain Nibbana so that you will no longer be reborn through the cycle of rebirth and you can attain a peaceful and serene mind in life. Do not be the last one. The end of each chapter will have learning resources for further exploration. You will be able to explore videos, podcasts, quizzes, etc. to deepen your learning of the content you read in each chapter. Please see the ebook for more details on these resources. As you have questions or need clarification on these teachings, you are welcome to post those into the Facebook group, Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, or contact the author privately for in-depth learning. Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha.
facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash daily wisdom 999. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment. Enlightenment.